Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey, and I'm joined on this caffeinated uh, afternoon. Uh, <coughs> Lots of caffeine. Fucking A. Um, I'm joined by uh, front men of the outlaw country rock and roll band, Wire and Nail. Uh, their latest EP uh, is called Northwoods Rambler. It came out in December of 2019. And I'm excited to talk to them about his passion, artistry, and why he does what he does. Thank you, Phil Bregant, for joining me. It is my absolute pleasure. Good to see you, man. How are you doing? Doing good, man. Doing good. Like I said, I had some coffee already today. We're on to, uh, we're on to the tasty Miller Lite beverage. All right. You're, you're going the opposite direction now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that way. I'm a, is Miller Lite your beer of choice? Uh, Miller Lite, I guess, if I'm drinking domestic. Yeah. Miller Lite till the cows come home. All right. But, well, you know, I'm a fan of the craft beer. My Our drummer, Cass, and his brothers, um, they own Eagle Park. Oh, yeah. Sam, actually, shout out to your roommate. Yeah, Sam, yeah. Sam Brunelli of the Oxleys, so, who uh, made a, a quick uh, cameo before we started <laughs> recording. Uh, he, he works there, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I... That's like a, it's a, it's kind of tucked away, but it is a, it is a gem. They have really good stuff. Yeah. Their beer is awesome. Their food is good. Not to, not to plug them too hard, you know, but I, I Oh, I'm plugging them. I'm fucking plugging them, dude. <laughs> <It's> going <laughs> deep. Uh, I wouldn't plug them if I didn't, uh, if I didn't believe that their product was good. I'm not just saying it. Their food is fantastic too. That's a cool spot. Yeah. I'm a uh, hams loyalist. Um, <laughs> waters, man. I will never turn down one of those. You want to come over and have some? Got got a case in the in the kitchen. <laughs> um, yeah, anytime, anytime. Yeah. I'm a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I it's either that Natter Days or Miller Lite for me usually. Um, sometimes I like to rotate just because, like, you know, just to make myself seem more interesting than I actually am. Yeah, but. Well, Look at the depth of personality. He rotates between three domestic. <laughs> yeah. Wow. yeah. I don't know. I uh, feel like I've just sipped enough of them to know which ones I, you know, crave the taste of. So, but in terms of craft, I um, actually, speaking of the Oxleys, um, on the recent podcast we did a couple weeks ago, um, we were talking about the various breweries that have appeared in the city the last couple of years and how I just need to like, you know, do like a crawl one day and just try all of them, man. I need to try Gathering Place, Indeed, Enlightened. Um, what is it? Uh, Urban Harvest, I believe. Uh, I think. Some of those I haven't even, I haven't even heard of yet. Even the ones that I know of though, like, Maybe break it down by neighborhood. Otherwise, that day could be, uh, I could get ugly real quick. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, that's something I'll be accepting the moment I wake up that day. Uh, drafting Vessel, that's another one I want to try. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a lot of beer, man. It's like, I'm just so, because like I've been so poor, you know, for the last year, like I have just kind of sticked to my, uh, my, low-hanging fruit if you will but i hope to be drinking some uh, some good ales uh, as the year goes on 
Yeah, man. Come summertime, sitting on a patio, drinking something nice. Yeah, dude. You ever go to the uh, beer gardens at all? Yeah, I'm a, I'm an avid amateur uh, disc golfer. Oh, cool. Yeah. So the Esterbrook, uh, Esterbrook is always that beer garden after after a round is good. Dope. That's cool. Yeah, nice, a nice Stein. Yeah, yeah. I um, I like the Hubbard Park beer garden a lot, uh, just along the river in Sherwood. Mm -hmm. um, the one down in Bayview, South Shore. That one. South Shore, yeah, yeah. Been yeah. that one. I like that one. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, we can we can talk. Um, uh, we can talk ales and stouts <laughs> and uh, pilsners, all that good stuff all day. But we're here to talk about music. Sure. So what we talk about, Mr. Nice Guy, we talk love and fear, passion and creativity. Mm -hmm. And so, Phil, the first time we met was um, over a year ago now. Uh, when you guys' Wire and Nail played 414 Live um, in January. And um, that still doesn't feel like that long ago at all. No. But it was already over a year ago. Um, yeah, and uh, I got to catch one of your shows. I, um, I, I'd seen your guys' uh, name on a couple bills at that point, and you know, I'm just, I love just like finding new artists. I knew you guys were friends with the Oxleys. Um, you actually played the following day after that. Um, you guys played a show at the Paps Tap Room, rest in peace. Yeah, RIP. Uh, which I would have gone to had it wasn't. It, that was actually my birthday, so I was getting shit-faced at company brewing <laughs> <laughs> with my own show uh but um yeah man i uh how how was that pat's show it was uh it was electric actually i mean as anyone anyone who's put on like a release show or anything like that knows like what size what size room do you want to play like you want it to be full like you want people to come out like there's always that level of stress, especially when it's your thing, you know, and I guess leading up to that, to that day, you can kind of see the ticket sales and we're kind of like, you know, I think it'll be okay. Like people will come out and be fun. And we did the 414 thing and we played some like news station the day before. And I think because of that, like a lot of people who had not heard of us before, we got a, a wider reach and, and it was sold out which was, it was, I mean, it tickles anyone, right? To be like, people want to come out and see you, that's cool. And it was probably, I mean, one of the more memorable shows I've ever played. The Oxleys played, and then the Zach Petrini band also played on that bill. So. I love Zach. Shout out to Zach as well. Yeah, man, good uh, dude. Really great dude. Um, yeah. Well, that was a pretty popping week for you then. Yeah. Yeah, we on purpose you know we kind of wanted to load it up and see what happens and create a little momentum and and we did and yeah. everything went to whatever so sure did back yeah. to the back to the drawing board right so so guys now what <laughs> right exactly right um so and we'll talk all about like what you guys mm -hmm. are up to now but first so um so if I, if I remember correctly you're from Cedarburg right uh, I grew up in New Berlin. JT, our other guitar player and singer, is from Cedarburg. Oh, okay. I knew one of you was. Okay, so you're from New Berlin. Um, mm -hmm. Okay, so 
tell me about um, your own kind of musical background and when it all kind of started, when it first became a creative outlet for yourself and whatnot. Sure, man. I mean, if we're gonna, if we're digging deep, uh, I, first, I've always grown up, my, my dad's side of the family is really musical. Like my dad plays accordion and my grandma was choir director. And so like, even from being really, really young, like listening to them sing and play was always a part of my life. And I really wanted to play an instrument and I lived in West Dallas first. So in West Dallas, they do something called the Suzuki program for orchestra. It's basically like teaching really, really little kids how to play music. And it's usually by ear, uh, by rote. And so I started playing the cello when I was five. I really, really wanted to play the violin, but my mom, who is like tone deaf, was like, no, Philip, everyone, everyone plays the violin. You're going to play the cello. And I went, okay, well. Man, the thing was probably like as tall as you at that point, wasn't it? So it was a, they make different size orchestra instruments. It was a 16th size cello. Oh, wow. Okay. We brought it home and my dad goes, I thought, I thought you said he was playing the, the cello. I'm like this thing looks like a, it looks like a violin. Like it's the size of a full size violin. And, uh, and that was kind of where I started. So, you know, playing cello from, from five to, to whatever, that was always like, um, it's just something that came really natural to me. Something I really loved. Like I loved picking up my cello and, and spending time doing that. And I moved to New Berlin when I was like 10 and they don't start orchestra until a couple years later. So I was like in third grade playing in the, the orchestra with like the older kids and like that was that was cool for me you know it was, it was like fun being like the little kid doing the thing and um but then you know around that time too I was like I like uh I like this pop music and what was popular when I was 10 years old was like and pop punk and like you know that kind of stuff and that and that's what like resonated with me so I went you know what I had an uncle that, that played guitar and he came over one day and showed me a couple chords and went, here you go, do your thing. And, uh, and that was, that was it, man. Once I picked up a guitar and started playing songs that I was hearing, that I was watching people play, like that was it, dude. I was hooked. I could not learn enough Green Day riffs. <laughs> I, I, could, I could not like, I just couldn't get enough. Like at the time I had a uh, dial up internet Oh yeah, we had it too. Yeah. So I remember like, you know, being being on the computer on the dial-up internet trying to like find tabs or like videos of, of whatever music I was into at the time and like, you know, trying to trying to figure it out on the guitar and my mom yelling like, hey, I need to use the phone. Yep. Like <laughs> Yep. Yep. I went through that too. And uh, I never understood the point. Like who designed it that way? Like why why was it made that way? I never I never got that. Yeah, dude. Flaw. <laughs> Flaws. There's a reason it's different now. Yeah. Well done, technology. Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean then then like then I started I started writing songs like maybe when I was in middle school. Um and it was kind of in that vein. It was like kind of wanted to, you know, want to be like pop punk, skater punk, like um you know about my seventh grade heartbreaks of course you know right oh yeah when you date you date quote unquote uh for like a week and like you know talk to each other like maybe once or twice and then it's just not working out <laughs> yeah 
I know. It was like, I remember getting a foot. No, I don't, I don't know. Actually, I don't really remember, but that's exactly how it went. Like I talked to you at recess. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, going to the old uh, bowling alley as a, as an outing. <laughs> yeah. That's about as romantic it gets. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's where the, yeah, that's, that's where, where it started, you know, and, and then as I got like a, got a little older into high school, like I was also kind of at that point, you're trying to figure out like what you're going to do. So I was still, I still played cello. So I played cello in, in like the Milwaukee Youth Symphony Orchestra and did stuff like that too. So I was kind of like, you know, doing the band thing, you know, had some bands with my friends in high school and, and we'd play and do the thing. But also there was that cello side. And then, you know, as like high schoolers are, like whatever was cool at the time, like you know, I was into sports too. So it was like, I was pulled in all these different directions. And uh, eventually I figured that I was gonna do something in music, but I didn't know what. So I decided to go to school to be, for music education. So, uh, so I went there, I went to Whitewater. I knew the professor, he was a guy that had known me since I was really little. And, we got along and I figured we'd be spending a lot of time together. So I went there and it was good. You know, it was, it was a fun ish experience. Yeah. Played my cello for like two to three hours a day. Um, being a smaller school, I also got to play guitar with like some jazz combos. They like were desperate for guitar players. And they were like, well, Phil, we know that you play guitar. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I like rock and roll, like, Jazz is for like really smart people, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they're like, you know what, come and do it, come and fake it. So I learned a bunch of, a uh, bunch of like jazz theory, which was super helpful, carries over now. Like even just reading, reading charts or, or trying to figure out how to like solo over certain changes. Like I, that experience, even though it probably sucked at the time because I was really embarrassed because I'm not a jazz player um helped me like exponentially when it comes to like theory and learning the guitar like essentially yeah so you built a lot of versatility over the years playing a lot of different styles yeah man that's uh yeah i'm really grateful um a lot of people kind of get stuck doing one thing you know and and a lot of people especially in the in the classical world it's like it's so cutthroat like I knew pretty early that I wasn't going to, I hadn't been spending five hours a day playing the cello since I was five, you know? And like, that's, that's, that's like the shit it takes to become a professional string player. Yeah. Like, so I knew that that wasn't the thing. I wasn't going to do that. Like I got what I wanted out of it. And like, I still do gigs. I do like cello stuff. Like I had a, I had a quartet in college and we would play weddings. Um, and I still get like the occasional, like, hey, can you play with me for this like pop-up thing? Um, and it actually, I think you had Shane Hotstetler on your on your program, eh? Hell yeah, man. Uh, shout out to House Street. Yeah, he buddy. The beast. He is insane. So we had recorded, we recorded a record with Shane, with Wire and Nail, we did our first record with him. And I was in a band before called Eagle Trace. Oh yeah, sure. And uh, and they they did all their records with Shane, so I got to know him pretty well. 
and he knew I played cello. So like every once in a while, like I'd get a call like, hey, Phil, like there's this band in town. Can you come play cello? Like, sure, that's cool. You know, so doing like, I wouldn't call it full on like studio musician type thing, but yeah. like, you know, getting a call up to go into the studio and knock some shit out, like is yeah. always fun. My buddy, um, Eamon, Holy Pinto. Oh, also has been on the show. Nice, yeah. Hey, so he's awesome, yeah. Did a bunch of string stuff uh, for him and I've been kind of recording some stuff for him and just enough to keep the cello chops alive, you know? And, yeah you can you can help in a pinch mm -hmm. what you're saying yeah yeah exactly and like some people be like you know you play violin too um but i i'm not very good. like violin okay i can do it but i'll play it like a cello it'll sound better i'll like put it between my legs yeah more in tune better right. in that way sure. <laughs> yeah yeah i got you um what was your like first band outside of school? Oh, it was a it was a band with my friend Eric Ash, and he is in a couple bands. And Social Caterpillar, Eric Ash. Yes, sir, yes, that's the guy. I love that band. Yeah, shout out he, to Eric. He was like my first bandmate. Like, I had a friend Jake who uh, who played drums, and like I'd go over and jam. <clears throat> But it was like, you know, what can you do? I met Eric when we were in like seventh grade and we were talking about music and Eric plays violin too. He had a very similar upbringing as me. He started playing violin, doing the Suzuki thing when he was five. And um, so we like got on immediately. You know, we were in orchestra together. <clears throat> he like was obsessed with the Red Hot Chili Peppers at the time <laughs> and like as everyone was. So we, he goes, yeah, dude. I want to be like Flea, like I love the violin, but I want to play bass. I was like, no way, like I we need a bass player. Yeah. So we formed, we formed just like a little trio and we started playing out. We played, we played our first show at the rave when we were like in eighth grade. Wicked. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, hey mom and dad, like we got a show at the rave. And they're like, you what? What are you talking about? I was like, yeah, dude, it's going to be sick. Like, I was so pumped. And it was one of those where you, you play with, like, 10 different bands and you get, like, a 20-minute slot and it's an absolute clusterfuck. Yeah. Yeah. But when I was in eighth grade, that was literally the coolest thing. I thought I made it. I was like, this is it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, that's the, that is the SpongeBob bubble bowl. Yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, so we, play, we played and we wrote some songs. We had some really, really probably rough recordings that we did with like, like a tape cassette thing. And I'm sure if I listen back to those now, I'd just cringe. I was a, I was a late bloomer, we'll say. So I, I don't even think I had like my voice changed yet. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. Um, common hindsight to have, I get it. <laughs> a lot of people can't listen to their first few recordings. I no, can't listen to my first attempt at a podcast. First time I tried one was the summer between junior and senior year of college. And uh, yeah, same as you, I'd probably cringe hard and be yeah. like, man, I need to like burn this shit or something, right. you know? Like, 
Yeah. When you, it's like, what, 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 what portion do you get a pass? You know, maybe like enough time has passed and I could think, you know, like, oh, I was just in eighth grade, like, and that was, you know, forever ago. And, you know, that was a start. It was a start. Yeah. And figured it out. But, but yeah, man, Eric was great. And we, we played, we, we ended up playing a lot through that iteration. We probably changed our band name like 20 times, went through different phases, like whatever was hot at the time. Like, and, uh, and that was cool. It was a, it was a great, great opportunity to get started. And then, you know, in high school, we had, we had some different musical ideas and I think he wanted to start like doing his own songs and, and we kind of just like peacefully started doing our own thing. And, um, and I was kind of like, I kind of wasn't really in a band for a while, like junior, senior year, you know, other priorities, like, you know, girls and shit. It's like, well, I get it. I get it. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, but it's probably for the best though. Cause I mean, when I came back around to it, like, then that was it. Like when I came back, it's been that up until now. So that's been, uh, yeah, that's early life, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. How did, uh, tell me about Eagle Trace. Oh, well, I have this thing where I like, I can't say no to anything. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't say no to Mr. Nice Guy, huh? Well, I mean, I would never do that. No. You know what I mean? Like, any, yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> like, I wasn't really, uh, when I first went to college, I met, I met JT like day one. Um, and we like instantly clicked, like we jammed and, uh, he had been doing more of like the four hour, like cover band gig type things when he was in high school, he had like a high school band and we started hanging out jamming and he was like, dude, let's like play some shows this summer. Like we'll get my drummer from a high school band and we'll get this kid playing bass and, and that's how we'll get started. And and we kind of were doing that. It was fun. Like. I had never done that before. I'd never been like, here's 40 songs, learn them, like, let's do it. So I was doing that. And at the, at the same time, like I was still living at home. So Jake Schinker, who was also part of Eagle, Eagle Park Brewing, uh, he knew that he knew the boys in Eagle Trace. And he was like, they're looking for a new guitar player. I'll introduce you. And I said, yeah, man, that sounds great. So I met them and we became like really, really close friends really fast. And, and we dug each other's stuff and started playing with them. And and at the time it was cool because they were, they had been around for a while. They were kind of established and we did some like touring around the Midwest and, you know, made, made records like with a real, in a real studio, which is the first time that I had done that. So I I learned a lot being in that. Sure. Dope. How, so then uh, how would a uh, wire and nail form? Well, so e- Eagle Trace was, it was obviously all the guys that are doing the, the brewery thing now. So it got to a point where they were really, really focusing hard on their brewery stuff, you know, and, and, the, and, the, and they were just getting busy and like booking music became a little bit more difficult if they were doing some, you know, beer event here or whatever. Um, and then our singer Mitch moved to Chicago to uh, to get a degree in man he's probably gonna murder me if I can't get this right to get a degree in some sort of arts 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 And he's, uh, he's a super talented individual. Um, so he went to, he went to do his own thing. The other boys were doing the brewery thing and it just kind of, it just kind of fizzled. And at the time I was living with Cass, our drummer, uh, in Bayview and we had like a little rehearsal space and I've always written songs. Like I've been writing songs my entire life. And I went, Cass, you know, do you think you'd like drum on some of this stuff? And then I went, JT, we had already been like doing the, the cover band thing for a while, like a, a year or two at this point. And we had been playing together and, you know, we sing, we sing nice together. And I was like, could you maybe play guitar and sing some harmonies? He goes, yeah, sure. And, and our, our bass player, Ryan was like, yeah, man, fuck yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> I think I had like five or six songs and we just kind of banged them out. Like we, we rehearsed them got them up and we're like, this is cool. Let's go fucking cut this record. And we did it. So we went to Shane and we did it in like two days. And, uh, and it was like a, it was a passion project for me. I didn't really like, I didn't really expect anything. I was just kind of like, that's cool. I want it to be done by my birthday. Cause we're all really good at procrastinating. I was like, this shit will be done on my birthday. And we're going to have a release show and it's going to be at Tonic Tavern. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a good place to have a a party show for sure. It was great. It was great. I love uh, love the owner there. We drank them out of tequila. Ah, legitimately gone. It was gone. <laughs> it was like I was almost I was almost proud. To be honest, I was proud. I was very proud. How could you not be proud? Like, um, I mean, maybe the next day you're like, oh man, just how proud was i <laughs> you bask in the afterglow you just embrace it you know yeah totally but that's, that's cool. but that was fun man we had a great time and we were like shit this was cool um and then people some people were kind of like that was good like when are you playing again and we're like fuck like we hadn't really thought about it we like didn't really do any promo or anything and all of a sudden it was like we have something here and i was like let's do something with it so then we ended up playing some shows periodically for like a year. And the weird thing is we were still doing this cover band thing. And it was basically the same people. So it got like, a for a time, it got like a little interesting. We're like, are we doing this show as Wire and Nail? And our, um, our cover band name was called Solid Cedar. Okay. Hardwood. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... We we're like, what are we doing? Are we doing this show? Like we would play like some like festivals, like in some smaller towns, but it'd always be in front of a lot of people. And we we're like, do we do this as like a wire nail thing now? Or do we still like, do we keep them separate? You know, we're doing like, you know, all these covers. And if we're playing like a four hour set, like we can play our material and still play like 30 covers. So it got to a point where finally we we're like, all right, let's like, it's like, do you like these as wire nail shows? And then, you know, then I wrote some more songs and we did our, our next record. And, and then from that, like, it just looked like it was kind of like, it was a nice progression of how, and it was like pretty natural. Like no one really tried too hard. You know, we didn't like, we don't have any ins with anybody. Yeah. It's just like, it is what it is. Yeah. Northwoods Rambler. Um, 
What is it with uh, country rockers always rambling? Like, what are they rambling about? Dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta roam. You gotta ramble. I think <laughs> such a good like. What do you? I'm a rambling man. You know, like, like yeah, you're. I guess you're an outlaw. And I, to be fair, to be honest, okay, let's let's set the record straight here. Like, I don't claim to be some fucking crazy outlaw. Like, <laughs> I don't like own a gun. Yeah, right. You don't hang out in like the saloon and I mean I would if there was a rock. Yeah, right. if, if there was a place where you could swing open those saloon doors and hot, like walk in, right. I'm for it. Like with I'm, like the the spiked boots and like spurs. The, yeah, yeah, the spurs. Don't get me wrong, I I totally embrace like the I love like the, the cowboy look. And it's not and it's like some people, I think some people mistake it for like trying to be like a, a wannabe of some sort, you know, like, and it's not that it's like, yeah, it's, it's an homage to those people. It's not a, I am, I didn't grow up on a farm. I'm not a ranch hand or anything, but like, yeah, something about the cowboy mentality. is like something that, you know, I resonate with and. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think it, it kind of, um, speaks to a general appreciation for the little things that aren't so like um things that you have to work for you know like you, you where right. you have to like you have to work for things in order to like really feel like accomplished and appreciative of like you know animals and nature and sure. money and like just being able to <clears throat> you know drink beer at the end of the day and uh, take care of yourself and take right. care of your family and stuff. I mean, there's definitely like, I, I, I respect the appreciation for not only like the aesthetics, but also the, the, the thematics and mm -hmm. sort of like the, the subject matter that comes with like that outlaw country type thing. I mean, I like it. Um, I guess I'm a suburban Illinois boy. Um, mm -hmm. I, I love the outdoors, man. Like I grew up on a major street and I was outside playing in the mud for most yeah. of my childhood. So, yeah. I mean, I, I get it. Like I, um, yeah. And, and especially in a state like this, you know, it's like the outdoors is just such a pinnacle part of the culture. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I rode a fucking horse for the first time last weekend. Oh yeah. How'd that go? Uh, it was, uh, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it as much as I did. And um, I was like, I'm like kind of hooked. Like I want to do it again, like very soon. Nice. Um, I just don't, I don't have a horse. It was a, a friend of ours. We were playing up north. And, uh, I kind of, I play with the Oxleys too. Like I play guitar with them when, when, it, when it's needed. And uh, we were doing a show up north and one of, one of their friends has a horse and she had been named Phil actually, ironically. So she had been like begging us, like come like ride Phil. Finally, yeah. Last weekend, I was like, let's fucking do this. Like, go on Phil. Phil on some Phil on Phil action. Yeah. And uh, it was, dude, it was so fun. I it was, I just didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Yeah, dude, it's it's cool. I haven't ridden a horse in like fucking like 12, 13 years, but it is it is cool. Um, I know that. Like, I don't know, my, my one buddy, uh, he like, his girlfriend, she's like a horse girl. 
and she lives in like Grafton. Apparently, that's a big that thing. Is, that just that's fucking that's figures. Yeah. Yep. Right. 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 <laughs> so I, I like I, just be. You have to be friends with all the right people. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I would definitely do it again if I had the chance. Dude. Yeah. And on top of that, I don't know if you've uh, if you know about the series Yellowstone. But I've been watching uh, two. I've binged like the first three seasons. Okay. Yeah, like, I have heard of it. I haven't seen it. They're like it's it's Kevin Costner and they they're on a ranch and they're like real cowboys and uh, I just wanted to be that too. So I love Kevin Costner. Yeah, he's great. Tin yeah. Cup, man. Tin Tin Cup is number one Kevin Costner film of all time in my in my eyes. Well, the, he he was just in another one this past year. Let him go. Let him go. Someone just told me about that too. Yeah, it was let him go. It's he's mm-hmm. like uh, he and his uh, wife are trying to rescue their um, grandson, their uh, late son's widow is dating this guy who his family is like they're bad news, like they're mm. they're shitty. Yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, it's. A lot of really complex family tree shit, but it's really good. I highly recommend it. Check it um, out. Big fan. Big big Kevin Costner guy here, so I'm in. I'm all in. My kind of guy, Kevin Costner. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess, like, I know we talked a little bit about it um, for Breaking and Entering when I talked to you um, after that 414 Live show, but you want to talk a little bit about just kind of, like, what kind of place you felt like you were writing from with Northwoods Rambler, like what some of the songs are about and stuff like that? Yeah, man. Um, the That whole album or that whole EP was kind of just like, it started with an idea and it started with a character, you know, that the, that guy, the Northwoods Rambler, you know? And like I said, like that's that's not necessarily me. I think there's obviously if you're writing you come out in some way when you're writing, even if you're writing a character. So it's just, you know, it was this character that was, that was maybe part me, part of someone that I wanted to be, um, maybe someone that I would be, you know, afraid to be, you know, like this, this, this person is someone that just like, will do whatever, you know, more of a, more of a free spirit. Like a, Everyone wants to be more free. Maybe not everyone, but I think everyone wants to take chances and everyone wants to do things. And like, maybe I'm afraid to take some of those chances. So maybe that's the guy who would do it. And that's how it started. And so like writing from that perspective was kind of fun. I'd also really not done a ton of that before. I would say a lot of the songs have been more like autobiographical, I guess, mixed with some like, you know, whatever fantasy about it so that was that was cool like uh kentucky low life that was like the the first track on it and and that's his story and then, uh, how to love is kind of was more like kind of one of my stories i guess and there's a track about a friend of mine that was having a hard time with the ladies and everyone's everyone's had like breakup songs and like i didn't want to write another breakup song or a sad love song from my perspective. So writing it from his like made it seem a little more creative for me. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, trying to write from different perspectives and and like the whole 
the 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 vibe i think the the songs just kind of lend themselves to that more like country rock and roll style yeah with our especially with our lineup like we're a we're a small you know four-piece band we had a keyboard player uh and he was amazing he was like a nationally touring musician and he uh he moved to nashville so we're back to a four-piece yeah yeah <laughs> i mean hey it is a city to be right doing the thing for sure but yeah um well, all that makes sense um for sure so that said oh uh, yeah what have you guys been working on since then uh so i've been i've been writing uh as of recent i would say like when shutdown happened everyone was like oh cool let's all write songs fuck it like no one's playing like, let's just like get our creative juices out. Like, let's record, let's do this. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't write. Like yeah. I had nothing to, there was nothing inspiring that was happening. And the things that like made me feel something, I don't think were things that would necessarily um, fit like a wire and nail record. You know, like I had written, the, the songs I had written during the first part of like shutdown were songs that like, maybe I'll come back to you if I ever want to do like a, like maybe just like a solo thing where it's, where it's more subdued, quieter kind of things, but not necessarily, it wouldn't fit like a honky tonk thing. Yeah. You know? So, so that was tough. So I hadn't really done anything until like this past maybe fall. Um, and then it, and then like something clicked, something came back. I won't say that it's like I I had ended like a two year relationship. Sometimes that's like what it takes yeah. to, to get some shit out. Um, but like following that, there's just like more more like life stuff was happening to me, and like I was doing some different things, and I think there was also some things that I was afraid to write, like while I was in a relationship. That sounds kind of fucked up. But, you know, it's like almost like you want to write, you want to write some things, but you're like, maybe, you know, if my significant other heard this, that would maybe like hurt her feelings. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. It's just like, context is everything in that, right. in that, in that way. So I, I get that for sure. Um, yeah, and and I get the whole like sort of writer's block com combined with just how you know chaotic and unusual the world turned in the last year. Like not feeling inspired for a while. Like I think a lot of people went through phases of that too. Um, yeah, and but, I just I didn't want to talk about the same shit that people were talking about too. Like everyone was doing a song about quarantine i was like fuck that dude that's so depressing like yeah. right i just ah uh, and not to say like some of those songs are some of those songs are great like there's one there's one tune that's like grace potter and marcus king and jackson brown oh, they yeah. all did a verse on this song and i was like damn that shit's cool granted i like really respect all those artists and like I'm pretty sure anything they would put out would be like fine with me, but it's like that's that's all right. They did it, they did it okay. But I saw like so many people 
doing it not so good. And I was also afraid of that. I was like, I don't want to be another person putting out a shitty quarantine song. Yeah. Well, it's just because it's like, that's such a like easily accessible theme to write about right now. But it's like, and there's nothing inherently wrong with writing about quarantine, but how can you kind of like make it abstract or make it otherwise personable? Right. Pers excuse me, personal to you mm -hmm. rather than just be like, you know, writing a song about how we don't know what's going on and like, right. all this weird and shit. It's like, you know, people have been writing about that kind of stuff since before quarantine too. Right. Oh, you know? so like, yeah. So, uh, also think about the longevity of something like that. Like what happens when you put that song, like years from now. Right. It's like getting a tattoo that you thought was a good idea. Yeah. You were like, you know, 19, 20, but 10 years later, you're like, wow, uh, I don't really know about this anymore. <laughs> you know? so, so you're, so you guys are, are you guys like uh, playing again or like, uh, what are you guys practicing? I mean, um, so JT, JT had a, a particular situation where he needed to be extra cautious. So um, we, we saw it like, you know, we see, we see him sparingly. Um, he's getting like, he, he has got his like vaccine now and, and things are on the up and up. Like I just saw him last weekend and we caught up and it was amazing. Nice. But as far as, as far as playing, um, that's something that, that now that he's kind of able to do some more stuff, we're gonna try and get back into a, a groove of, of rehearsing. And, and I have these songs, like this new batch of songs too now that I've, that I've already written that are done, where I can, you know, go into a rehearsal and say, hey, look, like, let's take one or two of these songs today and let's work them up and let's see like what sticks, you know, any anytime. That's like kind of our process too. Like I'll write a song basically to, um, like being complete and then I'll bring it to the band and we'll just go like this works this works let's try a new groove there or something and yeah so I'm really looking forward to doing that um and seeing where this this new batch of songs goes and we have some stuff that's on the books like tentatively right kind of like everything there's some like outdoor uh outdoor shows that we're playing um and it looks like we're going to get the ball rolling slowly. Mm -hmm. um, but I think this this summer still is going to be, a, you know, a play when we can. But it's hard to uh, it's hard to put too much effort into booking a bunch of stuff right now. Still got to be light and whatnot. Yeah, right. Exactly. And, you know, at the end of last year in the fall, when we were trying to do some of those those gigs, too, it's not it's okay. Like, it's just, it's so unbelievably medium, you know, to do them when you have people that when you're playing in a huge field that could fit a thousand people and there's, I mean, there's 250 people there to see you, which is great, but it just is so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's so weird. Believe me, I miss shows like as much as the next guy, but I can't wait for, uh, you know, a semblance of normalcy to return. Sure. Yeah. 
safely for sure. But when it when it when the time is right, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. you know, everyone everyone wants everyone wants the same thing, but you know, you have to do what's best for people, obviously first. So, right, exactly. Well, Phil, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, it's good to talk. Good to actually right really on. like kind of get to know you. Um, on our way out, I close out with the same two questions. Um, the first is, what keeps you up at night? Oh my God, what keeps me up at night? I think I would be in the same category as many people that say like, you know, that, like, that one dumb thing you said like 10 years ago. Oh yeah, I'm in that category too. Yeah. I think a lot of people have that. It's like for me, I mean, there's honestly, there's so many that like I've, I like will reflect and be like, fuck, why did I say that? That was so dumb. These people probably hate me. And there's like a new thing that I remember like constantly. Think about like texting that person from like 10 years ago. I'll be like, hey, I'm sorry I said that all my time. Yeah, right. But I learned I learned something that might help people like you and I. And that is think about like someone that's like relatively close to you. And, and think, try to think about like, what's like the most embarrassing thing that they've ever done. And for me, like, usually when you try to think about other people's embarrassing moments, like you can't, I can't think of like a single thing that's embarrassing for other people. Yeah. So you're like, fuck man, maybe it's not that bad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, <laughs> true. that's a good, that's a good, actually good mantra. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that Phil. Yeah. The second thing is, uh, what, what puts you to sleep? What puts me to sleep? You know, just like knowing that, uh, for me personally, like I, I've got a really, really good set of friends, man. Like I have good, I have good people that I live with. Um, and, and our group of people are just like super supportive and fun and supportive of being a shithead too at the same time. So like, you got that to rest your head on, man. And like, no matter what happens, like they'd have your back and that'll put me to sleep. There you go. That's it, man. Thanks for being on the show. Oh yeah, dude. This was a pleasure. Sure was. For everyone watching, Wire and Nail, Northwoods Rambler. Go uh, check it out on streaming platforms. We look forward to what they do next. Thank you, boys. Oh, yeah. Thanks, nice guy. We'll see you next time. Yeah.